Hi, everyone. I'm Erica Carbajal, writer and reporter with Becker's Hospital Review. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Carlene Kerfoot, Chief Nursing Officer at Simpler, and Kristen Russell, Chief Marketing Officer at Simpler. So, Carlene and Kristen, thanks again for being here with us today. Before we dive into the conversation, I'd like to have each of you just, just briefly introduce yourselves and Simpler. Carlene, can we start with you? Sure. This is Carlene Kerfoot, and I'm the Chief Nursing Officer of Simpler. And Kristen? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Kristen Russell. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer here at Simpler. And just to provide a little more context in terms of who is Simpler, we offer comprehensive healthcare operations solutions. And we're really kind of focused on governance, risk management, compliance, provider data management, and workforce management. We partner broadly across the United States, really working to kind of help think through the complexities of integrating business operations in healthcare. Uh, so it's kind of a fancy word or a fancy way of saying that we're, we're all about better operations for better outcomes, all focused mm-hmm. on the healthcare environment. Well, welcome again. Thrilled to have you. And with that, we'll go ahead and jump into our conversation. So first, you know, we're constantly seeing news about the labor shortage in healthcare and in nursing. So, so let's start there. Carlene, can you talk a bit, just give an overview of the nursing shortage landscape right now? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, we in the United States are not immune. It's an international shortage also. So places in other parts of the world are having as much problem as we are having with the, with this shortfall. In fact, internationally, people are talking about a 5.9 million <clears throat> shortfall in the next, by 2030. We in the United States are also having a problem with a shortfall. Our turnover is up to at least 22%. And you have to look across the United States because some places are much better than other places. So it's hard to generalize because it is geographically uh, personal in this particular situation. We need uh, 12 million by 2030, and that's not too far away. And what that means is we need 20 million to replace the people who have left, to replace the people who are going to be retiring. And some of the real key issues are we have a major problem with nurse managers, a major problem with CNOs, because obviously uh, they've taken the brunt of much of this pandemic stuff and they're worn out and they're tired and they're finding other jobs. Also, in addition to that, there's a huge demand, as you well know, for nurses everywhere. For example, the demand for nurse practitioners is going up dramatically because of the issues with physician shortages and also the things that people can do, that nurse practitioners can do to help uh, help alleviate that. The good news is in terms of the enrollment in schools of nursing, it's going up. It steadily goes up. It's gone up 5.6% last year, but that's not enough. That is not enough. Uh, The good news is it keeps going up rather than going down, but it doesn't go up fast enough. We have a huge shortage of faculty, and unfortunately, there was at least 80,000 people last year that were not admitted to nursing schools that were totally 100% qualified, uh, but there was not a faculty to take care of them, and they don't have the facilities in the schools of nursing. You must remember that you know nursing education is very expensive, and it's not something that you do lightly. You can't just turn the corner on that. And in terms of what that means in terms of the landscape out there, we know that quality and and, uh, things like that suffer dramatically when you don't have the right nurse at the right place at the right time. So I wish I had a brighter picture for you, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a brighter picture out there. We do have issues now, but there are ways of, of turning us around. So Kristen, you want to add to that in terms of what you're seeing? 
Yeah, absolutely. You you really covered it. I said, you know, all I have are additional details, but certainly, you know, as we just talked about kind of this nursing shortage by state, like there's states like California that have just been heavily impacted, but this is really regional. There's other states where there's a there's a surplus. You know, you're seeing as well the this certain areas like rural areas seem to be really hard hit versus more metropolitan areas that may not be kind of experiencing quite the same level of shortage, but Pretty much, as, as Carlene mentioned, it is global. There's an interesting stat as well. LinkedIn recently shared that registered nursing is the fifth most in-demand job in America, in the American workforce. You know, we talked about the retirement drain, aging population, an aging population to care for, and an aging population means more nurses are retiring. So we've kind of got a, a, a hole in the bucket here, which is not helping. Add to that what's going on right now with the pandemic. It's a cocktail for disruption, which only brings on things like stress on the job, uh, heightened stress levels, just from this pandemic, from the, the impact of this nursing shortage and, and a need for care more now than ever before and a need for nurses, to be honest. Thank you for walking through that. You know, that, that, that 12 million figure by, by 2030 is you know, quite daunting, especially when you pair it with what you mentioned about, you know, the, the aging population and, and what we have going on there. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you made a great point, too, about how it's a geographically, you know, things change at different places throughout the country. I think oftentimes we see those kinds of statistics and, you know, sometimes people might not resonate with them where they're at. For example, I live in Texas and we have a 23,000 shortfall of unfilled positions that are in Texas. So it's a challenge, just like Kristen said with California, where do you find 23,000 people right now to fill those unfilled positions? It's a challenge. Absolutely, especially, in, you know, we've covered on this too, of the um, the faculty shortage. It's comfortable demand for nursing students, but as you said, a lot of them are not admitted due to, due to those, those mm-hmm. faculty shortages. So, you know, I think a lot of these trends that we're talking about are out of leadership control, but health system leaders aren't completely without agency. So let's focus a bit on some controllables. So what can leaders control or are there certain tools and strategies available to help support nurses here? Kristen, I'll kick it off to you on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's almost like a moral imperative that we have to fix this. And like I said earlier, you know, the pandemic has made it worse, but I do think it's possible for nurse managers, nurse leaders to think about how they can resolve this problem. And it's things like investing in technology, you know, arming your teams with the most efficient technology possible. So the team's time can really be spent building the culture, working, you know, providing more care, taking away things like stress. That's just one of them. There's spending time with really the inefficiencies. So, you know, helping to approach the workforce management, thinking about innovative ways to schedule and to think about how do we bring the right people to the bedside at the time of need. And certainly, you know, like I said, you know, technology has really come a long way so that we can do a little bit more with less. There's solutions as well to help with recruiting, retaining, to help with on-site communication. So you can think about scenarios where I may need a a specialized type of nurse to provide a certain type of care while triaging a patient. 
So I want to use technology that's going to help me find very quickly, where is that nurse? Is she, who's working today who has that level of qualification? How can I bring and match the people that are, that are here, the 500, the 1,000 people that are in this particular hospital? How do I find that needle in the haystack and get them to the bedside as quickly as possible? Like I said, there's technology that can really help with those solutions to make sure that you're really kind of leveraging your workforce to its fullest. I think that's great. I think there's a, with technology, we just can't say enough about that because one of the challenges is that our technology is in silos for the most part. So the nurse in the front line, when they want to do something, they have to go out of one system into another because we haven't really made the commitment to have all these different systems be interoperable so that one click you can get a lot of places. And case in point, nurse managers are frustrated because if they want to find out what kind of outcomes they have with staffing, then they have to go out of the staffing system into the quality system into the risk management system and so on like that. And that's a huge burden. So they can't do that efficiently and effectively. And until we can really make a commitment that we have to be interoperable within the system so that people on the left can see what's on the right, we're not going to be able to take all this noise out of the system. If you look at the surveys of physicians and nurses and everybody else, they talk about the technology burden. And they talk about, especially physicians and nurses, they talk about the technology is such a burden, they can't find what they need in a reasonable time. And with artificial intelligence, you know, sometimes we can bounce that up to the front. But as you well know, healthcare is way behind in terms of artificial intelligence and technology compared to aerospace and a few things like that. So we have a long ways to go, but that certainly will help. And I would also add that healthcare systems need to think about empowerment. Because if you don't see a career path and if you don't see that people really appreciate what you're doing, and if you're just a, a, a small little cog in the wheel, people don't talk to you, don't listen to you, then of course, why would you stay? And why wouldn't you go someplace where you can be more valued? So we do have an issue with that in that a lot of people who resign say there's not a career path here for me and I'm not appreciated. But there's solutions for that. For example, we're a big partner with the Daisy Foundation which is founded on providing gratitude to nurses who wouldn't get it otherwise to really thank them for all, for all the hard work that they do. In addition, that it's also for nurse managers and for chief nursing officers and everybody else. And there's also really good, good uh, models out there. For example, the magnet model. Um, if you're in a magnet hospital, then the pandemic has affected you less than if you're in a non-magnet hospital because the magnet hospitals think ahead, <clears throat> they look around corners, and they can proactively predict what's going to happen and then put systems in place so they're not affected as much. So there certainly are ways of, of handling this with gratitude, with technology, um, with, the, with looking at best practices and being innovative and creative. We, we, can, we can fix this. <laughs> it's fixable. This notion that, you know, you hear it over and over, innovation is important. We have to innovate. Mm -hmm. But I think... The, the crux of it is that the innovation has to add to, not detract from the workplace environment mm -hmm. is really what I'm hearing Carlene say. And that innovations really need to be considered through the eyes of the staff and the people who use mm -hmm. them. So as we mm -hmm. think, you know, here at Simpler about building technologies and solutions that enable workforce management, we want to do it in a way that the systems themselves are easy to use. We're thinking about how do we connect our solutions as well so that, you know, as we're thinking about people resigning or, or challenges in staffing, we're thinking about recruitment as well. We're able to post jobs really quickly. As employees come online, those systems are connected to employee performance and learning systems, so you can quickly identify opportunities, as Carlene mentioned, for 
for individuals, think about the career pathing and make sure they're getting the, and, and equipped with the learning tools to make that happen, which is, which is pretty important when you, when you really think about how do you preserve and provide those critical career paths for nurses uh, in this industry. When we talk about investing in tech and improving processes and efficiencies, what is one of the biggest areas of opportunity within nursing in terms of technology? If nursing leaders listening today are looking to start somewhere and investing in tech, what would you say, like, what's the first go place to look at, Kristen or Carlene? I think the biggest opportunity is to, first of all, listen to the front line, listen to the nurses. You know, we think we know what they want and companies think they know what they want, but you really don't until you really get out there on the front line and you can ask the question, what would help you the most? And until we start really involving nurses in those decisions, because unfortunately, sometimes technology decisions are IT driven or they're HR driven or they're executive driven. And then you install the technology and then the people on the front line say, oh my gosh, this doesn't work the way we work. This was not designed by nurses. It was designed by somebody who doesn't know healthcare. So then what happens, people do what we call workarounds. And then we blame the people for doing workarounds. The workarounds, they have to do because that's how they work. So if we could learn workarounds first and design our things around those workarounds, then we'd have a much better flow of things and we wouldn't add the frustration to the people out there at the front line. And I think there's also a real real important thing too in, in terms of this, the software companies. They also need that clinical input there also, and they need the clinical input to be able to go out there in the field and listen to the clinical people and hear what they say. So it's one big system, you know, it's it's not just just a hospital, just a healthcare system, because that system interacts with a lot of technology companies and a lot of government things and so on like that. So we've got to be able to get people on the front line listening to nurses in terms of what they want. And then how do you get that voice from the front line bubbled up within the organization so that there are reports to the board and there are, there are innovative opportunities and people have a, have a voice they're really empowered to take a full a full place at the table to be able to talk about how things can happen and make it much better. We know that we waste a lot of good intelligentsia because there's thousands of good ideas out there that never bubble up and never get to the top, and consequently we don't have a, the kind of healthcare system that we need to be able to help the people on the front line. The only thing I would add to that is just, you know, kind of from our perspective here at Simpler, um, everything that Carlene said is what we are focusing on with regards to our workforce management solutions and our innovation. It's really designed specifically for healthcare to just make data-driven staffing decisions that help contain, manage those labor costs, like improve things like productivity, increasing oh, staff engagement, um, and ultimately, you know, really positively impacting outcomes. And when we talk about outcomes, it's things like how can we reduce overtime pay? How can we help improve fill rates for open shifts? We, we've got about a 50% reduction in overtime when customers are using our API healthcare solutions, which we call workforce management here at, at mm -hmm. Simpler. We have an 84% fill rate for open shift rates. You know, 3% operating cost reductions, with, which ultimately reduces overtime. So when you really do deploy these systems that are designed specifically for healthcare, the Simpler's workforce or people management solutions lets you make these data-driven staffing decisions to help contain those costs mm -hmm. and effectively manage the labor costs, create predictability in your labor costs by mm -hmm. identifying, preventing overtime before it happens. 
So mm-hmm. aligning the staffing with the needs of the patient so that you can improve the clinical outcomes. Ultimately, by mm-hmm. if you think about it, you're really just ensuring that clinicians and the support staff have the right credentials, the current competencies to meet the patient needs as you're looking at building out the mm-hmm. staffing model. All of that ensures kind of a level of engagement as well with staff and can really ultimately help stem turnover, achieving just you know, better key clinical and non-clinical outcomes. We know that health is really nimble, that there's this need for, for fast-paced innovation that's going to be able, with technology that can you know, kind of include applications that are available through mobile devices, uh, that function across kind of the the continuum of care that we're delivering from a from a healthcare perspective today, and and that's just a big commitment from a simpler point of view to help make this space more effective for everyone. Yeah, I would just like to pick up on what you said, Kristen, because it's so important that people have joy at work. You know, the quadruple aim has said that you know the fourth aim is that people have joy at work. Well, if you have efficient systems, efficient workforce systems out there that the staff love and enjoy and like to work with, then, as Kristen said, you've got higher higher retention rates, higher satisfaction rates. And remember, if you're, if you're frustrated and frazzled, you can't take care of, of patients. So what we like to think about is, you know, we have systems in place. We have to put systems in place. So you can be the nurse that you always wanted to be, but you can't now because of all the noise in the system with the with the technology that doesn't work. So this is a really important point in terms of satisfaction. Well, it's great to hear how some of those stats, you know, lowered overhead costs and improved staffing there, some of the solution stats that you guys highlighted. So I think really what I was hearing as well was, you know, considering nursing team's input before investing in tech. And and what else do you think? Are there any other strategies health systems can implement to recruit and retain nurses? Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, you have to, what you have to look at is the workforce, the frontline people, the nurses are an investment. They're not an expense. So if you invest in them and you, you create a career trajectory, you they want empowerment. So if you can develop that kind of empowerment so they have a say in a lot more things than what they have today, then not only does that work for better outcomes with patient care, it works for better financial outcomes for the company, it works for better um, uh, retention, all that kind of stuff that Kristen was talking about. So we have to really start thinking about, you know, these people are an investment that we've got to keep. It's like if you run a department store and <clears throat> somebody came in and, and stole $150,000 worth of goods, you'd say, oh my gosh, call the police. You <laughs> we can't have that. It happens every day in nursing. People walk out the door and they take with them huge amounts of intelligentsia uh, that it's very difficult to replace, very difficult to recruit and train and bring them up at that level. So you really got to think of, of this as an investment and think what do people need how can we quickly give them what they need and, and use them in a better way than just as a widget on the front line? Absolutely. And Kristen and Carlene, any other parting thoughts for our listeners today? I think this has just been an incredible conversation. <laughs> um, it's certainly an area of, of focus for so many organizations in healthcare right now. It's a mm-hmm. big topic of conversation across the board. I think there, there's a little bit of a tide that we're, we're seeing. And to be honest, you know, with change comes opportunity. And some mm-hmm. of what's coming out of this, is, it, it may feel a little challenging, but it's helping us to innovate in a way that we haven't before, to think about how do we how do we get better with the tools at hand? And I think that ultimately just brings opportunity for everyone. 
Yeah, I would reiterate that. You know, it's that old thing about never waste a crisis. <clears throat> and if you look across the country, we have some of our clients doing incredibly innovative things, and they're doing it fast. <clears throat> they're turning things around really, really quick. You know, they're starting central staffing offices and all, all sorts of things like that that they didn't have before, but they're doing it in a nanosecond and doing it effectively. The real challenge is not to lose that sense of quick turnaround, quick innovation, and really thinking through things fast and just keep all those changes going so we can wake up in two years and say, wow, looks a whole lot different than what it did two years ago. Unfortunately, sometimes when the crisis is over, then we stop doing all these innovative things and we go back to where we were before and that's that's not going to work. So as Kristen said, this is a huge opportunity for us to express gratitude and do it in a, in a formal way or informal way, like with the DAISY and recognition programs. And also really think about our nurse managers and our CNOs out there about what do they need. And then there's a huge number of people who have left and they didn't want to leave, but you know, we have a huge opportunity to go out and bring them back in one way, shape, or form, maybe not to the same job, but something else that's out there. That's a huge group of people that we can access and get things done. So as Kristen said, you know, this we can say that this is the worst of times, but it's not. It's really the best of times. And as Kristen said, innovation will get us through. You know, we, we can do this. We can do this. Yeah, as you both said, you know, the nursing issue is certainly not an issue that's going away anytime soon. And, you know, the sounds like the focus right now is more about the tools and, and innovations that are going to help alleviate alleviate that. So thank you both again for your time and thought-provoking responses today. We also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Simpler, and to all of our guests for joining us for another episode of Becker's Healthcare Podcast. You can tune into more podcasts by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com.